Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Good morning and welcome to our show today. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach at Ellen Becker Investment Group. Milwaukee's philanthropic community was created for the sole purpose of highlighting people and organizations that are making a difference in the lives of others. We want people to be aware of the variety of options available to plug into these places and to get involved. We wanna showcase the different nonprofit organizations offering a variety of services and support in a number of different ways. Now, most people offer their time, their talents, their resources, whenever they have the time to do so, right? Um, But there are some people and organizations, in fact, that need to keep track of volunteer hours or the community service that they perform. Today, we're gonna talk with an organization that's developed an app to help with that. There's an app for that, right? And then we'll hear about the mission and amazing work being done at a well-known national nonprofit with a local branch here in Milwaukee. We'll hear from one of their volunteers and she'll share why she is passionate about serving and giving back. So my first guest today is Nicole Sedeo, founder of Let's Thrive 360 a nonprofit whose mission is to create a better world through technology that empowers people to be intentional about helping others. Welcome to the show today, Nicole. Hello, thank you for having me. We're excited that you're here and and looking forward to hearing your story. I understand that you're actually a licensed chiropractor, right? Correct, this is (laughs) correct. Yeah, and now you're a tech founder. How does that happen? Did you have a, a new calling? Yeah, absolutely. So I, um, I, I started this off about six years ago, um, feeling this tug to do something else. And when people find out that I'm a chiropractor uh, by degree, they say, you know, of course, they're surprised. And I, I always like to say, well, God obviously doesn't read resumes. So <laughs> um, and then I started to refine that a bit and say it's because he writes them. So it's, uh, it's very much a calling. I think my, my background of having a small business in a community that uh, we had just moved to, my husband and I didn't know anybody, so we jumped right in with volunteering to get to know the community and just fell in love with being able to volunteer as a way to connect, help lead the foundation for what I've created now as a tech founder. So people don't ask you to crack their back while you're meeting with them regarding. <laughs> oh, of course. No, I always hear about the pain in the next story. So <laughs> then go away. <laughs> so your company, Let's Thrive 360, has created this app called mm-hmm. Altruize. Yep. So why did you develop it and who does it serve? So Altruize actually... Um, means to exercise your altruism. So it was quite literally, the word was formed by me crying up to the heavens saying, I just want people to exercise their altruism. And went, oh, altruize, that sounds pretty cool. I'm gonna go with that. Um, And really what it comes down to is our corporate mission, which is to help people be better intentionally. So if you think about just us as humans, for us to get better at anything, we have to be intentional about it and purposeful. So if you want to be a better runner, you have to run more. If you want to be a better reader, you have to read more. What if to be better people? 
to be gooder, if you will, we actually had to be purposeful about it and make it top of mind and make it a higher part of your awareness. So we kind of like to, to say and think of us as the Fitbit for your altruism, right? If you think about how the Fitbit has changed society with the number of, you know, it used to be enough to tell people you ran two miles. Now you have to tell them how many steps you did. <laughs> and you've got people getting up from their, you know, board meetings and, and stuff because they get the buzz from their watch to be intentional about taking those extra steps, right? To get their amount of steps in. What if we could do that with our, our social giving? What if you could set a goal that said you wanted to, to give back 10 hours every, you know, 60, 90 days? And it was, again, intentional so that you could look back at that goal, know that you're doing that goal, set another goal, and move forward through your life seeing what you've done in giving back and how you've had an impact in all different areas of your life. So the Altruize app um, allows you to do that. It allows you to journal on, on what you've been doing. It, um, you can't even set up an account without having a goal. So that's how important it is to us that, that you're being purposeful about this. Being able to then have that data verified for those individuals that it can be life altering not having that volunteer data verified. So again, you think of, of students that need it for graduation, for example, or people that are doing it for community service, part of the judicial system, um, you're trying to build up your resume, any number of reasons, this data point has become really important in our society. And the individual who's creating the data up until now had no way to continue like a place for them to have it at their fingertips. And, and manage it for themselves. So the Altruize app kind of gives that power back to the individual volunteer to be able to maintain and control and verify their volunteer and community service activity all on one digital platform, eliminating the paperwork. And that's really the point we wanna to get to. What about companies? You know, we at Ellen Becker do a lot of uh, philanthropic events mm -hmm. and volunteering as a company. So we also like to highlight what the employees have done uh, in our newsletters. So is this something that a company could use as well? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you guys then are, are a growing number of social responsible companies that recognize how important volunteering is for your employees and you give them the opportunity um, to do that and follow their passion. And so again, for those companies that really are trying to create that culture, and want to have proof that it's happening, um, they, can, they can get verified reports you know, through the app to see that the extent of which their individual um, employees are volunteering and connecting with the community. So, but it's done on an individualized basis. So me, Jill Economo, would set up an account mm -hmm. that I keep track of everything and then can I export data and send it to corporate or do, is it just a matter of me telling them what I have logged? You know, how, how does that work? Yeah, there's a couple different opportunities. So you can do it the, the first way you described where you would um, export the data and send it to corporate. There is an opportunity for those organizations though 
to actually um, purchase what, what we call member links, which are a unique aspect to our platform so that these corporations can have access automatically to that data. So again, they're, they're not, they're then eliminating their side of the paperwork and time requesting it because they can just access it quickly themselves. Okay, so if someone's interested in getting a hold of the app, uh, they just log in and start uh, away they go. And is it like a monthly fee, or how, how does it uh, how does that part of it work? Yep. So um, so the app is available both on Apple and Google Play stores. So um, it's free to download. It's free to alterize. So to exercise your altruism, you can get your hours verified. It's free for the uh, nonprofits to be on to be able to verify as well. The, there's a fee where if the individual then wants to use that data for that bigger, better purpose of college application or they need to submit it for proof of something, um, there's a fee for that. It's uh, $14.99 for a report token and then they are able to create as many different types of reports as they want to with that data set. So that's, that's one way that the individual then has access to it. For the corporations and other entities, so those school systems, et cetera, they purchase member links, and that's a sliding scale based on how many members they have. And uh, again, it makes it super easy then for those organizations to be able just to take a peek into their members' volunteer activities, eliminating their paperwork. This isn't heavy on having to be a part of their software, you know. Um, systems or their IT systems because they're just purchasing the member links almost going to take a peek at at the uh, platform that somebody else is using for their volunteer records basically. Okay and then confidentiality of course is not a concern because the other people looking are just seeing who you're volunteering with. So we we make sure we took that into play so if a school system for example or your company if, if your company purchased member links they would send you a, a request to link to your account. So you have to approve that, first okay. of all. Second, we do another layer of that. If you approve that, and there are certain volunteer activities that you do not want to share with that organization that's linked to you, you have the right to hide those from the, that organization. Okay. So we, we built that already into the system to make sure that privacy is, is number one for our our end user, which is the volunteer creating this data. Okay. Um, well, we understand how important giving back is, however you choose to do it. You know, we, but we want to be sure our kids understand how important helping others is and that we do it without expecting anything in return, right? Because it's, it's just the right thing to do. So, right. um, but it's interesting to note that 61% of college admissions officials use volunteer and community service data as a tiebreaker. You know, what are they looking for? Stay tuned and we'll learn more about that after the commercial break. We'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's philanthropic community. I'm talking today with Nicole Sadeo, founder of Let's Thrive 360 and the Altruize app. So we talk about how we want our kids to get involved with giving back and paying it forward. 
because it's it's the right thing to do, plain and simple. You know, the main mm -hmm. message here is give up your time, your talents, your resources, because it's the right thing to do. But it also is used as criteria to measure and determine certain things like college admission. So Nicole, give us an idea of what college admissions and scholarship committees are looking for from an applicant in terms of community service. Yeah, um, you know, it, it is really interesting to, that this data point, as you mentioned before the break, you know, 61% of college admissions officials use this as a tiebreaker. And yet it's not standardized. It's not, um, there's not a, a proven way to show that it was done. So again, that's something that the app can help with an applicant to be able to give that, that proof for that college admissions official that this was done and, and they don't need to worry about that. Um, so that's one thing you wanna be able to eliminate the issues that the college admissions official is having to, to find out what you've done. With that, some of the, the things that pique their interest, right around 50 to 200 hours of community service and volunteer time seems to be kind of the sweet spot for college admissions officials. They'd like to see you right around that amount. So again, if, you, if your high school requires 30 hours or 40 hours to graduate, but you're looking on to move on to college, think about adding a few more hours to that. And then the type of volunteering and community service that you're doing also is important. They are much more moved by a committed volunteer that spans over a few years, for example, than a one-time mission trip that was a week long. Now, if you've been doing mission trips with your family since you were two, that's different. And that's something that you can explain to your to college admissions. But if it's pretty obvious that this mission missions trip just kind of completed really quickly, a requirement to help you check a box, that's where it's not as valuable. So if you can find the opportunities that, that speak to you that way. And then another piece too is the skill development. And that's a feature we actually offer on our app is to be able to categorize your volunteer activities under one of the 16 career clusters that's recognized by the U.S. Department of Education so that you can prove that you're, you've been developing or you're trying to develop a certain skill set in a certain field. That's another thing that they're looking for as well. So, so consistency and number of hours, uh, you high school seniors or parents that are helping your kids uh, get set up for college, you want to position them in the best possible uh, way you can. So this is helpful for a number of different um, uh, people or organizations. Again, the college seniors, um, the companies who want to keep track, mm -hmm. uh, you know, individuals, just, just so you kind of, like you said before, just set a personal goal right. and keep track of that. So all that is really great stuff. Um, you've actually uh, created an ebook called Five Top Ways to Spread Altruism from Home. What prompted or inspired you to create that? So we were, we were moved like everybody else. Uh, when the pandemic had started, now everybody was at home. And the word that our company is, is kind of at the core of our mission is altruism. And altruism is really to be more concerned of your for another individual's well-being than you are of your own. And although volunteering is a part of that, it's not the only thing. So we wanted to say, you know, listen, there's other things that you can be doing that are altruistic from home. 
And so we created the ebook to help highlight just some of, you know, from the very basic things of give somebody a phone call, <laughs> you know, to some bigger things of help a nonprofit figure out a new fundraiser, develop a new fundraiser for them. Like, so we did kind of the gamut on that. Well, don't keep us in suspense. Give us the five top ways. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, no. You're going to have to go to our website to check oh, those out. <laughs> okay. You're just giving us a little teaser here. That's fine. That's fine. We'll go with that. Um, but again, the point is, is that uh, there's lots going on in our community where people can step up to the plate and, and mm -hmm. many ways that people can make a difference. Um, again, not just through volunteering, like you said, but uh, check out five top ways to spread altruism from home and you'll find out uh, other ways to, uh, to fulfill your passion to give back. Um, you collaborate with an organization called Fiveable. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that partnership. So again, that was spurred on from the uh, Safe at Home. So when schools uh, canceled their classroom time, it was still really important for them to to maintain their education and keep going. And a lot of those students are um, AP students that were trying to get advanced placement for college. And Fiveable is a platform that they can that they can do that on online learning. So we do live stream. You can check details on their website, fiveable.me. And it culminated into understanding that with everything that these students were missing out on, you know, their, their proms and all that stuff, one thing that wasn't getting talked about was their volunteer opportunities. Some of these kids have volunteer opportunities in, you know, as an intern at a hospital, camp counselors. These were career possibility type volunteer opportunities and they're gone. So we wanted to start connecting then with those students. And we've done that now uh, for quite a few weeks on, on the uh, Fiveable platform. And then we're gonna be hosting those um, webinars on our own platform as well on our website in short order here. But it, it's, it's, it's evolved from, from that into you know, the, the five top ways, we now are working on an ebook for uh, scholarships to help figure that out because scholarships, there's some scholarships out there that only do for um, uh, community service. And so that's really important. And that helped lead us into a great partnership. So you, you have a partnership actually with our next guest, March yes. of Times. Tell us a, a little bit about that. So that's, that's been phenomenal. Like I said, the, the students were missing out on these opportunities and we went, oh my goodness, how can they get, you know, some activity done while they're at home by a reputable, wonderful organization? Where can we go? And through some different connections, we were connected with March of Dimes and they stepped up and said, yeah, we've got this mask making um, initiative we're trying to get done. We will absolutely verify the time through the Ultrarise app of these students making masks. And it was without having to do any sewing or anything like that. So it was super simple, very easy to do. But now you have this great combination of being able to get these students some verified volunteer hours done for their college applications, for job you know, applications from an awesome organization like March of Dimes. It was, it was just really cool for lack of any better word. <laughs> just really awesome on their part to do that so yeah well you've got a great uh, product here the altruize app check it out 
Um, how can the listeners support the work you do? Honestly, the, the best thing is to, to start altruizing, start being intentional, download the app. It's free. Um, it's again in the Google Play Store and, and iTunes, uh, Apple Store. And just start being pur purposeful about it. Start being intentional. Visit our website, altruize.com. We've got some more information there if you need to reach out to us. And oh, and Facebook, we've got our Altruize tribe on Facebook. So if you really, this speaks to you. And we've got a program for altruizing ambassadors for high school students, for those that really want to take this to a different level and, and help people find their inner altruizer as well. Wonderful. Well, lots of good stuff there. Uh, check it out. Check out the website. Um, Google it. Download the app. All those good things. And uh, live out your purpose, right? Thank yeah. you for being here, Nicole. We appreciate you sharing your passion about altruism and, and what that means to you and how you can uh, spread that throughout the community. So thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Joel. I really appreciate it. You are welcome. In our next segment, we're going to hear from a woman who volunteers with March of Dimes and takes that role very seriously for a very special reason. And we'll also learn about a March of Dimes program that offers support to families needing the neonatal intensive care unit at partner hospitals. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and my next guests today are Erica Knorr, volunteer and March of Dimes ambassador mom, and Angie Biersack, March of Dimes NICU family support program coordinator. Welcome to the show today, ladies. Thank you for, for having, having us. us. You are, you're welcome. We are glad to, uh, to have you here to highlight your mission and your passion. Um, we're going to start with, with you. You know, we've been talking about how important it is to use your passion for a purpose and give back and volunteer for a cause that's bigger than yourself and to teach that to your kids, right? So, Erica, you've been impacted directly by the mission of the March of Dimes, and you are an ambassador mom for a very special reason. So tell us your story. Well, our story began in May of 2018. I was rushed to the emergency room because I was experiencing some severe pain that I had recently found out that I had three large fibroid tumors. Um, this led to a surprise discovery that we were actually pregnant as well. Uh, doctors told us that because of the complications I was already experiencing with the fibroids that the chances of having a healthy and full-term pregnancy were nearly impossible. At five weeks gestation, I was already the size of five months pregnant. So they kind of warned us if, if I was even able to get to a full-term pregnancy, I would be the size of carrying triplets in essence. Um, a month later, they did a an MRI, it was actually my second MRI, they were trying to rule out if the fibroids were cancerous. Um, they had explained they were growing, but it was because of the estrogen levels that I had from being pregnant. I also had a leg ultrasound completed that day that revealed I had two DVT blood clots. So I was put on blood thinners for the remainder of my pregnancy. 
and I was being very closely monitored by both my primary OB and my high-risk OB with bi-weekly appointments. Um, and we kind of just went on from that, just kept monitoring. The nice thing was we did have ultrasounds every other week, so we were able to see our daughter growing. Uh, that October, at 23 weeks, two days pregnant, I began bleeding, so we rushed back to the hospital. They weren't able to control the bleeding, um, partly because I was on the blood thinners, so they put in an IVC mesh to try to get me off the blood thinners. Unfortunately, what I'm presuming that procedure led to myself going into labor. One pound, seven ounces. I couldn't see Madison, but I could hear the doctors and nurses tending to her. I finally got a quick glance at her from a distance before they wheeled us both out. A few hours later, we were able to visit her in the NICU. She was covered in bruises from her traumatic delivery. She had cords, monitors everywhere. And yet, while we couldn't hold her, we were still able to lightly touch her hand. We are told from the doctors that the odds of her making it past a week were not in her favor due to some of the complications they were already fearing. Um, she already had a small brain bleed and she had the hole in her heart and she was on the ventilator. And so she was given rounds of steroids and surfactant treatment to try to help her lungs grow. She also received several rounds of antibiotics and blood transfusions to try and stay healthy. And then she eventually received medication. Um, in mid-November, she finally hit two pounds. So that was an exciting milestone for us. But as they starting to look up, Madison contracted a terrible infection and was quickly transferred to the Children's Hospital of Wisconsin in Milwaukee. All we could do was watch from a distance, listening to her cry as the EMTs loaded her up into the transport incubator. It was definitely the loneliest and most exhausting time of my life as my husband still needed to work in Appleton. So I was down in Milwaukee by myself um, at the Ronald McDonald House. Um, but that's also when I first met Angie, um, the NICU family support specialist. Um, she had talked to me several times, kind of as like a therapist. Um, she invited me to a group meeting and also introduced me to the NICU baby app to learn more about the things that we were going through and what I could expect with having a baby in the NICU. At one of the meetings, we made a string of beads that showed Madison's NICU milestones. And by this time we had been in the NICU for 62 days and experienced a lot of micropreni milestones. And Angie explained what every bead meant and how important they were in Madison's journey. Luckily, after three weeks in Milwaukee, we were able to have her transferred back to Green Bay uh, just in time for cold and reached 100 days in the NICU. Sadly, when her original due date of the 27th came around, she was not strong enough to come home yet. Um, meanwhile, I was putting off surgery for to have the fibroids removed and due to that I was now experiencing uh, moderate to severe kidney damage. So I needed to undergo a hysterectomy to remove all of those fibroids. Complicated that one of the fibroid tumors had become necrotic. Uh, a vascular surgeon had been called in and did a small resection on my small intestine. Uh, two days after surgery, uh, still in my hospital bed, I was at least wheeled up to visit Madison. Um, it was a short visit, but it at least lifted my spirits as I had been, you know, with her probably 10 hours 
or more a day in the NICU. So two days away from her was devastating. Um, unfortunately, the next day, I also came down with a serious gastrointestinal infection, and I was not allowed in the NICU um, for another 48 hours. So my initial two-day stay ended up becoming a nine-day stay. Um, on February 24th, 2019, we finally brought Madison home after 144 days in the NICU. She then weighed nine pounds, two ounces. Since her discharge, Madison and our family have had to overcome several obstacles, but we're taking them one day at a time. Madison is mostly on track for her adjusted age, but we continue to work with her occupational and speech therapists, as well as a dietitian. Uh, she did come home on oxygen, but she was only on that for about 60 days. Um, as far as how I'm doing, you know, it's still trying to deal with everything that had happened because you just kind of compartmentalize everything while you're there. So that's why with March of Dimes, you know, it's very therapeutic for me to be involved with them. Well, uh, what a story, my goodness. One can only imagine not having been through something like that, how tough it was for you and your husband. How, how are you channeling that passion that we hear in your voice, that obvious passion you have? How do you channel that in your work with March of Dimes now? Well, March of Dimes is an organization that helped our family, you know, mostly myself during the toughest time of our life. Um, by sharing our story and being open with our entire pregnancy struggles, the NICU experience, and the post-NICU journey, I'm looking for to try to make a difference for other families that may need March of Dimes in the future or are coping with a similar experience now. Because for me, that was the that was and continues to be the most challenging part is finding people who can actually relate to a similar situation and can truly understand the intense level that stress that families go through who spend a significant amount of time in the NICU and or the unknown challenge you know that follow discharge and just how all of that can change somebody emotionally, mentally, and physically. So aside from telling our story, that's why I continue to fundraise for March Dimes to try to help fund programs and resources like the NICU Family Support Program and the My NICU Baby app to help families cope with and thrive in their own journeys. And that's why we are also so honored to be an ambassador family for this year's March of Dimes, March for Babies. Again, wow. I mean, uh, what that's quite a story. Uh, thank you for sharing your, your passion. Thank you for sharing the story. I'm sure it's a personal journey you've been on, and uh, we appreciate you sharing that with our audience. Uh, so, so thank you, Erica. The average cost of a preterm birth is about $61,000. The estimated societal cost per preterm birth includes medical care for premature children, maternal delivery costs, early intervention services, special ed services, and lost productivity. That's, that's pretty significant. What about the resources to offset that? Uh, stay tuned to hear what's available for families with a baby in the NICU. We'll be back in a moment to explore that further. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by the Ellenbecker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach 
and I'm talking with Erica Knorr and Angie Biersack, who are representing the March of Dimes. So Angie, uh, it's your turn now. We want to hear from you. Uh, you have an incredible job working in the neonatal intensive care unit, the NICU, supporting families experiencing a preterm birth or other complications. What is that like? It's pretty amazing. First off, I want to thank Erica um, for sharing her and Madison, uh, your stories. Um, stories like your families make my job every day, makes me want to come to work. So in this role, uh, March of Dimes is leading the fight for all moms and babies and families. And we do that with partnering with um, children's hospitals and neonatal intensive care units all throughout the U.S. and Puerto Rico. Um, so March of Dimes has had this partnership with Children's Wisconsin here in Milwaukee for about 15 years now. And I am blessed um, to be able to offer support to families um, through education, through in-person classes, through bedside activities, and then through our um, hospital staff too. So we do a lot of education with our nurses. We educate a lot of our physicians, social workers, child life specialists, music therapists, our chaplains, the people that work every day with families like Erica's, um, not only with prematurity, but we also work a lot with families of babies that have had birth defects or medical complications, um, trying to help them navigate being in the hospital when they've just given birth, many times traumatic, like Erica described. Um, and then they've had never imagined having a baby and then a baby that's now in the neonatal intensive care unit where there's language and equipment and a barrier that's kind of in between the medical equipment and parents and how do you parent a teeny tiny baby that's attached to lines and equipment and monitors um, and try to make that as a positive experience as we can. Um, a lot of our role is to involve the parents, to teach the parents, to help educate the parents about the medical conditions, as well as the different terminology, kind of act like a teacher almost or an, an interpreter that kind of helps families, the moms, the dads, the partners, the siblings, the grandparents understand um, not only what the baby's going through, but the whole emotional impact on the family. That has got to be so incredibly emotional. I mean, I, I toured children's uh, when I was doing a show on the Herma Hart Institute, and I had to carry around a box of Kleenex. I mean, it was so emotional. I couldn't imagine uh, being in that environment every day and being able to stay positive and, and, and encourage. And I mean, it takes a really special individual to be able to do that. And I would imagine, Erica, you, you feel the same. I mean, there's certain people that come along like Angie who are able to just walk alongside you and be that support and that encouragement that you need. It's just so wonderful that, that you're there. What I'm hearing from you is education is so key. You know, we talk to people about knowing the resources. There's so many nonprofits across our state that are providing wonderful support services, but you have to know about them. And again, that's, that's why we do the show, so that we can highlight these great organizations that are doing the wonderful work. So share with us in a little bit more detail, Angie, uh, some of these resources that are available to families with a baby in the NICU. Sure. So first and foremost, just lucky that Children's partners with the March of Dimes and has an on-site 
uh, family support programs such as the one that I'm able to organize. I collaborate a lot with our nurses and social workers, chaplains, psychologists. Um, many of them help teach uh, the group classes that we're able to provide for families. Education and leading with our mission is the forefront that we do. We do a lot of advocacy for parents to speak up to the medical team. They know their baby, their babies know them. They know their smell, their touch, their presence. So really partnering with that family, encouraging them to talk to the medical providers, providing them booklets and resources, not only paper booklets, but also digital aspects. Uh, Erica had mentioned it earlier, the My NICU Baby app is free on Google Play or the App Store. And so that's to any family that's in a NICU across the country. My position in particular, there's only about 70 programs right now across the U.S. and Puerto Rico that have an actual on-site person. We would love that to be in every single NICU across the nation. Again, it goes with the education and mission and why this is so important, not only to the families that we serve, but to the medical community and the community as a whole that we serve too. So through classes that I provide here on site in the NICU, we educate families on what it's like to have a baby in the hospital, what it's like to learn their baby's cues, maybe babies that were born early or babies that have a medical condition such as a heart defect or other medical issues where they need surgery or procedures. Sometimes the baby's development is delayed a little bit. So we talk to them about kind of how to best relate to their baby. We talk a lot about holding baby skin to skin. It's called kangaroo care, where mom or dad or um, partner hold baby directly right on their chest. And that is not only beneficial to the baby, but also to the family. As Erica attested to, it's very emotionally, physically challenging. The environment is something that they've never experienced. Some of the medical terminology is something that they've never experienced. So there is a lot of psychological emotion as well as the physical uh, recovery for a lot of the moms just going through delivery. So we talk a lot about self-care, what parents they can do for themselves. It's really easy to go into that human, superhuman mode where they think they don't have to sleep or they don't have to eat or that they can do everything for themselves and not ask for help. So our medical team and our support team really guide them to make sure that they're taking time for themselves, they're eating, they're sleeping, they're thinking about their own mental health needs. We are grateful to be blessed with um, psychologists and psychiatrists um, here at the hospital as well and great agencies in the community that can help families in terms not only of their physical needs, but their mental health needs as well. Well, based on some of the stats that were shared earlier, uh, we know that there are disparities, as you talk about, in uh, maternal and child health. So how are you guys working to make a difference locally? Sure, that is very relevant. I think, again, with the education, the advocacy and the mission work. We have begun um, supportive pregnancy care models through the March of Dimes, and we'll be starting a brand new one through the um, Freydert Hospital and the Medical College of Wisconsin. These supportive pregnancy care programs bring moms um, that are about the same gestation in their pregnancy, about six to eight moms in a group setting. Right now with COVID, a lot of things are virtual through Zoom or through some online programming, but that helps the families come together. It helps the moms 
come together. It helps in peer-to-peer -peer support. Um, we do a lot of peer-to-peer -peer support in the NICU as well. Families that are going through that only know how other families are feeling. And so we really are working with partnering with the physicians, doulas, the nurses, the midwives in the community, and really reaching them where they're at and asking for help from other local agencies that partner with the March of Dimes to provide care for all families, all babies, and all moms. Well, important work you're doing for sure. You know, lots of really great things to look up and to research. What can people do to support the March of Dimes and get involved? Uh, if you can share with us quickly what, how people can get more information. Sure. I think, again, just sharing our education, sharing our mission. I think if you talk to somebody that hasn't been impacted by the March of Dimes, that would be a surprise. Again, supporting through advocating for change, for advocating for policy, for continuing the great educational programs that not only serve across the nation, but here at a local level in Milwaukee and across Wisconsin. The supportive pregnancy care does show a reduction, an evidence-based reduction in about 33% of moms that have less uh, premature babies. And again, just partnering with us, helping with our fundraising, with our virtual events, and connecting families like Erica across Milwaukee, across Wisconsin, and across the nation to show that they're not the only ones going through this, that we are partnered with them and we will stay connected on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and here locally. So pick up the phone, reach out to our website, www.marchadimes.org, for all the great resources that we do here in the city, the state, and then across the um, nation. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Angie. Thank you, Erica. I, I want to thank all my guests today, Nicole Sadeo, founder of Let's Thrive 360, and Erica Knorr and Angie Beersack from the March of Dimes. Thank you again for sharing your passion and how you've turned that into a purpose. If you'd like further information about what we talked about today, or you'd like to be considered as a guest on the show, you can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com, or you can call our office at 262 691-3200. Join us next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. to learn more about some great people, great nonprofits doing great things in our community. You can tune in either on the radio, AM 1130, or you can go to News Talk 1130 on your computer or your tablet, and you can also listen on your cell phone via the iHeartRadio app. You can visit our website if you're interested in hearing some past episodes. And you can also listen on demand on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or Apple Podcast. I hope you found the information we shared today helpful. We certainly heard some very passionate stories from some individuals today, and we thank you for, uh, for sharing that with us. Uh, we hope that you can find a way to use your passion and your purpose to help someone in some way. So find a way to be a blessing and give a blessing. Have a wonderful Sunday.